0: Well, good day to you all, my friends, and welcome to this 10th day of February. It is day 41 in our journey through the Bible. Hello to everyone out there. My name's Hunter. I am your brother and your Bible reading coach, someone who shows up every day to spend a little time together with you in the pages of the Bible. And we are going to let those pages do what they do and point the way to the one who is the living word of God. The one alone who has the words of life. So we come from far and wide, from all around this beautiful world. We arrive here each day to warm our hearts by the fires of God's love. For that is who he is. And today we are in Leviticus again, chapters 13 and 14. And we'll finish in Acts chapter 17. I'm glad you're here. This is the word of the Lord. Leviticus 13 The Lord said to Moses and Aaron, If anyone has a swelling or rash or discolored skin that might develop into a serious skin disease, that person must be brought to Aaron the priest or to one of his sons. The priest will examine the affected area of the skin. If the hair in the infected area has turned white and the problem appears to be more than skin deep, it is a serious skin disease and the priest who examines it must pronounce the person ceremonially unclean. But if the affected area of the skin is only a white discoloration and does not appear to be more than skin deep, and if the hair on the spot has not turned white, the priest will quarantine the person for seven days. On the seventh day, the priest will make another examination. If he finds the affected area has not changed and the problem has not spread on the skin, the priest will quarantine the person for seven more days. On the seventh day, the priest will make another examination. If he finds the affected area has faded and has not spread, the priest will pronounce the person ceremonially clean. It was only a rash. The person's clothing must be washed and the person will be ceremonially clean. But if the rash continues to spread after the person has been examined by the priest and has been pronounced clean... The infected person must return to be examined again. If the priest finds that the rash has spread, he must pronounce the person ceremonially unclean, for it is indeed a skin disease. Anyone who develops a serious skin disease must go to the priest for an examination. If the priest finds a white swelling on the skin, and some hair on the spot is turned white, and there is an open sore in the infected area, it is a chronic skin disease. And the priest must pronounce the person ceremonially unclean. In such cases, the person need not be quarantined, for it is obvious that the skin is defiled by the disease. Now suppose the disease has spread all over the person's skin, covering the body from head to foot. When the priest examines the infected person and finds that the disease covers the entire body, he will pronounce the person ceremonially clean. Since the skin is turned completely white, the person is clean. But if any open sore appears, the infected person will be pronounced ceremonially unclean. The priest must make this pronouncement as soon as he sees an open sore, since open sores indicate the presence of a skin disease. However, if the open sores heal and turn white like the rest of the skin, the person must return to the priest for another examination. If the affected area has indeed turned white, the priest will then pronounce the person ceremonially clean by declaring, "'You are clean!' If anyone has a boil on the skin that has started to heal, but a white swelling or a reddish-white spot develops in its place, that person must go to the priest to be examined. If the priest examines it and finds it to be more than skin deep, and if the hair in the infected area has turned white, the priest must pronounce the person ceremonially clean. The boil has become a serious skin disease, but if the priest finds no white hair on the affected area, and the problem appears to be no more than skin deep and is faded, The priest must quarantine the person for seven days. If during that time the affected area spreads on the skin, the priest must pronounce the person ceremonially unclean because it is a serious disease. But if the area grows no larger and does not spread, it is merely the scar from the boil, and the priest will pronounce the person ceremonially clean. If anyone has suffered a burn on the skin and the burned area changes color, becoming either reddish white or shiny white, the priest must examine it if he finds that the hair in the affected area has turned white and the problem appears to be more than skin deep, the skin disease is broken out in the burn. The priest must then pronounce the person ceremonially unclean, for it is clearly a serious skin disease. But if the priest finds no white hair on the affected area and the problem appears to be more than skin deep and has faded, the priest must quarantine the infected person for seven days. On the seventh day, the priest must examine the person again. If the affected area has spread on the skin, the priest must pronounce that person ceremonially unclean, for it is clearly a serious skin disease. But if the affected area has not changed, or spread on the skin, and has faded, it is simply a swelling from the burn. The priest will then pronounce the person ceremonially clean, for it is only the scar from the burn. If anyone, either a man or woman, has a sore on the head or chin, the priest must examine it. If he finds it to be more than skin deep and has fine yellow hair on it, the priest must pronounce the person ceremonially unclean. It is a scabby sore on the head or chin. If the priest examines a scabby sore and finds that it is only skin deep, but there is no black hair on it, he must quarantine the person for seven days. On the seventh day, the priest must examine the sore again. If he finds that the scabby sore has been spread and there is no yellow hair on it and it appears to be only skin deep, the person must shave off all hair except the hair on the affected area. Then the priest must quarantine the person for another seven days. On the seventh day, he will examine the sore again. If it has not spread and appears to be no more than skin deep, the priest will pronounce the person ceremonially clean. The person's clothing must be washed and the person will be ceremonially clean. But if the scabby sore begins to spread after the person is pronounced clean, the priest must do another examination. If he finds that the sore has spread, the priest does not need to look for yellow hair. The infected person is ceremonially unclean. But if the color of the scabby sore does not change, and black hair is grown on it, it has healed. The priest will then pronounce the person ceremonially clean. If anyone... Either a man or woman has shiny white patches on the skin. The priest must examine the affected area. If he finds that the shiny white patches are only pale white, this is a harmless skin rash and the person is ceremonially clean. If a man loses his hair and his head becomes bald, he is still ceremonially clean. And if he loses hair on his forehead, he simply has a bald forehead. He is still clean. However... If a reddish-white sore appears on the bald area on top of his head or on his forehead, this is a skin disease. The priest must examine him, and if he finds swelling around the reddish-white sore anywhere on the man's head, and it looks like a skin disease, the man is indeed infected with a skin disease, and it is unclean. The priest must pronounce him ceremonially unclean because of the sore on his head. Those who suffer from a serious skin disease must tear their clothing and leave their hair uncombed. They must cover their mouth and call out, "'Unclean! Unclean!' As long as the serious disease lasts, they will be ceremonially unclean. They must live in isolation in their place outside the camp. Now suppose mildew contaminates some woolen or linen clothing, woolen or linen fabric, the hide of an animal or anything made of leather.' If the contaminated area in the clothing, the animal hide, the fabric, or the leather article has turned greenish or reddish, it is contaminated with mildew and must be shown to the priest. After examining the affected spot, the priest will put the article in quarantine for seven days. On the seventh day, the priest must inspect it again. If the contaminated area has spread, the clothing or fabric or leather is clearly contaminated by a serious mildew and is ceremonially unclean. The priest must burn the item. The clothing, the woolen or linen fabric, or piece of leather, for it has been contaminated by a serious mildew, it must be completely destroyed by fire. But if the priest examines it and finds that the contaminated area has not spread in the clothing, the fabric, or the leather, the priest will order the object to be washed and then quarantined for seven more days. Then the priest must examine the object again if he finds that the contaminated area has not changed color after being washed, even if it did not spread. The object is defiled. It must be completely burned up, whether the contaminated spot is on the inside or outside. But if the priest examines it and finds the contaminated area has faded after being washed, he must cut the spot from the clothing, the fabric, or the leather. If the spot later reappears on the clothing, the fabric, or the leather article, the mildew is clearly spreading and the contaminated object must be burned up. But if the spot disappears from the clothing, the fabric, or the leather article after it has been washed, it must be washed again. Then it will be ceremonially clean. These are the instructions for dealing with mildew that contaminates woolen or linen clothing or fabric or anything made of leather. This is how the priest will determine whether these items are ceremonially clean or unclean. Leviticus 14 And the Lord said to Moses, The following instructions are for those seeking ceremonial purification from a skin disease. Those who have been healed must be brought to the priest, who will examine them at a place outside the camp. If the priest finds that someone has been healed of a serious skin disease, he will perform a purification ceremony using two live birds that are ceremonially clean, a stick of cedar, some scarlet yarn, and a hyssop branch. The priest will order that one bird to be slaughtered over the clay pot filled with fresh water, he will take the live bird, the cedar stick, the scarlet yarn, and the hyssop branch and dip them into the blood of the bird that was slaughtered over the fresh water. The priest will then sprinkle the blood of the dead bird seven times on the person being purified of the skin disease. When the priest has purified the person, he will release the live bird in the open field to fly away. The persons being purified must then wash their clothes, shave off all their hair, bathe themselves in the water, then they will be ceremonially clean and may return to the camp. However, they must remain outside their tents for seven days. On the seventh day, they must again shave all the hair from their heads, including the hair of the beard and eyebrows. They must also wash their clothes and bathe themselves in water. Then they will be ceremonially clean. On the eighth day, each person being purified must bring two male lambs, a one-year-old female lamb, all with no defects, along with the grain offering of six quarts of choice flour moistened with olive oil and a cup of olive oil. Then the officiating priest will present the person for purification, along with the offerings, before the Lord at the entrance of the tabernacle. The priest will take one of the male lambs and the olive oil and present them as a guilt offering, lifting them up as a special offering before the Lord. He will then slaughter the male lamb in the sacred area where sin offerings and burnt offerings are slaughtered. As with the sin offering, the guilt offering belongs to the priest. It is a most holy offering. The priest will then take some of the blood of the guilt offering and apply it to the lobe of the right ear, the thumb of the right hand, and the big toe of the right foot of the person being purified. Then the priest will pour some of the olive oil into the palm of his own left hand. He will dip his right finger into the oil in his palm and sprinkle some of it with his finger seven times before the Lord. The priest will then apply some of the oil in his palm over the blood from the guilt offering, that is, on the lobe of the right ear, the thumb of the right hand, and the big toe of the right foot of the person being purified. The priest will apply oil remaining in his hand to the head of the person being purified. Through this process, the priest will purify the person before the Lord. Then the priest must present the sin offering to purify the person who was cured of the skin disease, after that, the priest will slaughter the burnt offering and offer it on the altar along with the grain offering. Through this process, the priest will purify the person who was healed and the person will be ceremonially clean. But anyone who is too poor and cannot afford these offerings may bring one male lamb for a guilt offering. To be lifted up is a special offering for purification. The person must also bring two quarts of choice flour moistened with olive oil for the grain offering and a cup of olive oil. The offering must also include two turtle doves or two young pigeons, whichever the person can afford. One of the pair must be used for the sin offering and the other for the burnt offering. On the eighth day of the purification ceremony, the person being purified must bring the offerings to the priest in the Lord's presence at the entrance of the tabernacle. The priest will take the lamb for the guilt offering along with the olive oil and lift them up as a special offering to the Lord. Then the priest will slaughter the lamb for the guilt offering. He will take some of its blood and apply it to the lobe of the right ear, the thumb of the right hand, and the big toe of the right foot of the person being purified. The priest will also pour some of the olive oil into the palm of his own left hand. He will dip his right finger into the oil of his palm and sprinkle some of it seven times before the Lord. The priest will then apply some of the oil in his palm over the blood from the guilt offering that is on the lobe of the right ear, the thumb of the right hand, and the big toe of the right foot of the person being purified. The priest will apply the oil remaining in his hand to the head of the person being purified. Through this process, the priest will purify the person before the Lord. Then the priest will offer the two turtle doves or the two young pigeons, whichever the person can afford. One of them is for the sin offering and the other is for the burnt offering to be presented along with the grain offering. Through this process, the priest will purify the person before the Lord. These are the instructions for purification for those who have recovered from a serious skin disease, but who cannot afford to bring the offerings normally required for the ceremony of purification. Then the Lord said to Moses and Aaron, When you arrive in Canaan, the land I am giving you as your own possession, I may contaminate some of the houses in your land with mildew. The owner of such a house must then go to the priest and say, "'It appears that my house has some kind of mildew.' Before the priest goes in to inspect the house, he must have the house emptied so nothing inside will be pronounced ceremonially unclean. Then the priest will go in and examine the mildew on the walls. If he finds greenish or reddish streaks and the contamination appears to go deeper than the wall's surface, the priest will step outside the door and put the house in quarantine for seven days.' On the seventh day, the priest must return for another inspection. If he finds that the mildew on the walls of the house have spread, the priest must order that the stones from those areas be removed. The contaminated material will be taken outside the town to an area designated as ceremonially unclean. Next, the inside walls of the house must be scraped thoroughly and the scrapings dumped in an unclean place outside the town. Other stones will be brought in to replace the ones that were removed and the walls will be replastered. But if the mildew reappears after all the stones have been replaced and the house has been scraped and replastered, the priest must return and inspect the house again. If he finds that the mildew has spread, the walls are clearly contaminated with the serious mildew and the house is defiled. It must be torn down and all its stones, timbers, and plaster must be carried out of the town to a place designated as ceremonially unclean. Those who enter the house during the period of quarantine will be ceremonially unclean until evening And all who sleep or eat in the house must wash their clothing. But if the priest returns for his inspection and finds that the mildew has not reappeared in the house after the fresh plastering, he will pronounce it clean because the mildew is clearly gone. To purify the house, the priest must take two birds, a stick of cedar, some scarlet yarn, and a hyssop branch. He will slaughter one of the birds over the clay pot filled with fresh water. He will take the cedar stick, the hyssop branch, the scarlet yarn, and the live bird, and dip them into the blood of the slaughtered bird and into the fresh water. Then he will sprinkle the house seven times. When the priest has purified the house in exactly this way, he will release the live bird in the open fields outside the town. Through this process, the priest will purify the house, and it will be ceremonially clean. These are the instructions for dealing with serious skin diseases, including scabby sores and mildew, whether on clothing or in a house, and a swelling on the skin a rash or discolored skin this procedure will determine whether a person or object is ceremonially clean or unclean these are the instructions regarding skin diseases and mildew act 17 Paul and Silas then traveled through the towns of Amphipolis and Apollonia and came to Thessalonica where there was a Jewish synagogue as was Paul's custom, he went to the synagogue service, and for three Sabbaths in a row he used the Scriptures to reason with the people. He explained the prophecies and proved that the Messiah must suffer and rise from the dead. He said, This Jesus I'm telling you about is the Messiah. Some of the Jews who listened were persuaded and joined Paul and Silas, along with many God fearing Greek men and quite a few prominent women. But some of the Jews were jealous. So they gathered some troublemakers from the marketplace to form a mob and start a riot. They attacked the home of Jason, searching for Paul and Silas, so they could drag them out to the crowd. Not finding them, they dragged out Jason and some of the other believers instead and took them before the city council. "'Paul and Silas have caused trouble all over the world,' they shouted. "'And now they're disturbing our city too!' "'and Jason has welcomed them into his home. "'They are all guilty of treason against Caesar, "'for they profess allegiance to another king named Jesus.' "'The people of the city as well as the city council "'were thrown into turmoil by these reports, "'so the officials forced Jason and the other believers "'to post bond, and then they released them. "'That very night, the believers sent Paul and Silas to Berea. "'When they arrived there, they went to the Jewish synagogue, "'and the people of Berea were more open-minded "'than those in Thessalonica.' And they listened eagerly to Paul's message. They searched the scriptures day after day to see if Paul and Silas were teaching the truth. As a result, many Jews believed, as did many of the prominent Greek women and men. But when some Jews in Thessalonica learned that Paul was preaching the word of God in Berea, they went there and stirred up trouble. The believers acted at once, sending Paul onto the coast, while Silas and Timothy remained behind. Those escorting Paul went with him all the way to Athens. Then they returned to Berea with instructions for Silas and Timothy to hurry and join him. While Paul was waiting for them in Athens, he was deeply troubled by all the idols he saw everywhere in the city. He went to the synagogue to reason with the Jews and the God-fearing Gentiles, and he spoke daily in the public square to all who happened to be there. He also had a debate with some of the Epicurean and Stoic philosophers. When he told them about Jesus and his resurrection, they said, What's this blabber trying to say with these strange ideas he's picked up? Of said, he seems to be preaching about some foreign gods. Then they took him to the high council of the city. Come and tell us about this new teaching, they said. You are saying some rather strange things, and we want to know what it's all about. It should be explained that all the Athenians, as well as the foreigners in Athens, seemed to spend all their time discussing the latest ideas. So Paul, standing before the council, addressed them as follows. Men of Athens, I notice that you are very religious in every way. For as I was walking along, I saw your many shrines, and one of your altars had this inscription on it To an unknown god. This god, whom you worship without knowing, is the one I'm telling you about. He is the god who made the world and everything in it. Since he is the lord of heaven and earth, he doesn't live in man made temples. And human hands can't serve his needs, for he has no needs. He himself gives life and breath to everything, and he satisfies every need. From one man he created all the nations throughout the whole earth. He decided beforehand when they should rise and fall, and he determined their boundaries. His purpose was for all the nations to seek after God and perhaps feel their way toward him and find him, though he is not far from any one of us. For in him we live and move and exist. As some of your own poets have said, we are his offspring. And since this is true, we shouldn't think of God as an idol designed by craftsmen from gold or silver or stone. God overlooked people's ignorance about these things in earlier times, but now he commands everyone everywhere to repent of their sins and turn to him. For he has set a day for judging the world with justice by the man he has appointed. And he has proved to everyone who this is by raising him from the dead." When they heard Paul speak about the resurrection of the dead, some laughed in contempt, but others said, We want to hear more about this later. That ended Paul's discussion with them. But some joined him and became believers. Among them were Dionysius, a member of the council, a woman named Damaris, and others with them. And now may our Lord, the one who is with us, the one in whom we live and move and have our being. May he now give his blessing to the reading of his word. Amen. They called him a babbler, a teacher of strange things. That's what they said of Paul when he appeared before the philosophers of Athens. How is it that even the most enlightened among us can hear the good news of the gospel and end up interpreting it As Babel. They said, what's this babbler trying to say with these strange ideas he's picked up? God reveals God. Ours is to participate with God who reveals himself. The God who's already at work. Paul knows this. That's why he looks out over all the people of Athens and he says, You are already living and moving and having your being in God. He's already right here. He's already with you. You just don't know it yet. I've come to tell you who he is, to tell you how good he is, how he has already purchased your freedom and the life that you so deeply desire. The gospel is the good news that God has come to us in our blindness and opens our eyes to behold who he is. It's a declaration of what is and what has been done. And when our eyes are open, we see that we are his children and we did nothing to bring that about that god was always at work in my life long before i had any clue that this god who loved me has loved and embraced the whole world he's looked upon the whole human race like a good father looks upon children he loves the world doesn't know it yet but that's what's true to many it all sounds like babble because they're blind They've bought into a live separation. We don't think God is for us. We're blind to the God who loved us before we even knew him. But God opens eyes and God reveals himself. And he's come to let the whole world know that they are loved. And we, like Paul, are invited to see what God sees, to participate and proclaim this good news in Athens, in Portland, New Jersey, Houston, all around the world he's already there people are living and moving and having their being in him and he's opening their eyes he's showing everyone ordinary people like you and i he's showing all of us he's making himself known do you hear him do you hear what he's saying to you or does it all just sound like babble my prayer is that the eyes of your heart will be opened to see the depth the length the width, the height of God's love for you. That's a prayer that I have for my own soul. That's a prayer that I have for my family, for my wife and my daughters and my son. And that's a prayer that I have for you. May it be so. Let's continue now in a time of prayer. Feel free to read along with these prayers in the show notes of today's podcast and meditate on these words that are being spoken over you, your family, and our world. And now, let us pray. Lord God, Almighty and Everlasting Father, you have brought us in safety to this new day. Preserve us with your mighty power that we might not fall into sin or be overcome by adversity and in all we do direct us to the fulfilling of your purpose through Jesus Christ our Lord Amen O God, you have made of one blood all the peoples of the earth and sent your blessed Son to preach peace to those who are far and those who are near grant that people everywhere may seek after you and find you Bring the nations into your fold. Pour out your Spirit on all flesh and hasten the coming of your kingdom. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. And now, Lord, make me an instrument of your peace. Where there is hatred, let me sow love. Where there is injury, pardon. Where there is doubt, faith. Where there is despair, hope. Where there is darkness, light. And where there is sadness, joy. O Lord, grant that I might not seek so much to be consoled as to console. To be understood as to understand. To be loved as to love. For it is in the giving that we receive. In the pardoning that we are pardoned. It is in the dying that we are born unto eternal life amen and now as our lord has taught us we are bold to pray our father who art in heaven hallowed be thy name thy kingdom come thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. I want to thank you for joining me today in our time through the scriptures and in prayer And what a privilege it is to be on this journey together. I can't believe it. I have to pinch myself sometimes. But hey, before I let you go today, I want to encourage you to keep taking those steps. And sometimes there are tools that can help us to do that very thing. We've got something called the DRB Daily. It is a daily email reminder that shows up in your inbox and it has... A link to the day's podcast. It has a summary and show notes and other important stuff that you can get free of charge. Keeps you reminded to keep taking those steps, keep you walking in the direction of Jesus and his love. So sign up for it at our webpage or right in the show notes of today's podcast. And as always, would you like, share, follow, and subscribe to this podcast wherever it is that you get yours? Well, what do you say we show up again here tomorrow? Heather will be at the helm. Until that time, let's go forward in God's joy. Let's let his joy be our strength. And let us always remember this. That you loved no doubt about that alrighty I'll talk to you again tomorrow you guys take care